If you've always wanted to know a professional video editing workflow, then this four-part series is exactly what you need. In part one, we spoke about the assembly. In part two, we spoke about the rough cut. This is part three of four, and you are going to learn about the fine cut. Every single step of the process of creating a fine cut, what that means, what the difference is, and where do we go from here? All right, let's get on with it. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the video editing podcast from Unsplice with me, your host, Shiny. Yes, thank you very much for joining me. I'm the lead trainer and founder of Unsplice and a video editor of commercials and documentaries for uh, over 15 years now. And this is my way of sharing with you everything that I've learned over the many years I've been an editor. I realized that out there, everything, all the resources out there, they just cover film editing. They don't actually talk about documentary editing or commercial editing, music videos, all that other good stuff. Um, so this podcast is trying to address that problem. This is exactly what I wanted 10 years ago. So um, I hope that you find great value in everything we speak about on this podcast. If you like it, if you're a regular listener, I would love it if you would leave a little review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, leave a nice review. And if you're watching this on YouTube, then don't forget to subscribe, like it, and comment below with some of the things that you've learned from this episode or from this series and uh, some of the things that you'd like to see spoke about on the podcast. See spoke about, heard on the podcast, and it makes more sense. Now, before I jump into this episode on the fine cut, I just wanted to ask you very quickly, are you a self-taught video editor who wants to cut like a pro, but you're feeling lost and intimidated by what you need to learn to get there? Well, over the last 15 years, I've realized that there's three skills that are the most in-demand from all clients. So all the best, most in-demand editors have these three skills. And before I share with you how you can learn what those are, it's worth explaining a little bit about why you're finding yourself lost in the first place. If you ask the internet, how do I get better at editing? so I can work on high-end docs, commercials, branding content, and music videos, then you get the same terrible advice everywhere, saying all you need to do is practice. But it's so vague. I mean, what are you actually practicing? Einstein said the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. So if you keep practicing the same thing over and over again, you're just going to get the same results. When you do this, you'll find yourself stuck in the perpetual practice loop. You'll find yourself demotivated because after working on an edit for over a week, you'll watch it back and you'll know it can be better, but you just don't know how. The industry has an unwanted term for editors that struggle to come up with creative ideas. That is a button pusher. If you want to break out of the perpetual practice loop, escape the label of button pusher and become an in-demand editor, then you need to know what those three skills are that I'm talking about. And you need to possess those three skills. 
Once you have those three skills, you'll find that work comes to you and you can choose the location and the hours that you work. So if you're ready to learn those skills, figure out what they are and possess them and work and develop them, head to unsplice.com forward slash free. There you'll get access to a free 30 minute training that I made especially for you. That's unsplice.com forward slash free. Sign up, make an account, take the training, and you'll learn what those three skills are. Unsplice.com forward slash free. So let's start talking about workflow and the fine cut. What is a fine cut? Well, compared to a rough cut, uh, we have now put everything on the timeline. We've submitted an edit. We know that it's a pretty solid edit. It's everything that we've been thinking about on the timeline now. All of the kind of tricks, the style, all of these sorts of things, these are on the timeline. We've shared them with the client and they know exactly what we're thinking now. So now in the fine cut stage, we are just finessing those fine details. We shouldn't be in the fine cut stage. We shouldn't be adding in much more dialogue or doing any huge scene changes or completely changing the narrative. That should have all been sorted in the rough cut. And now in the fine cut, generally, you'll have two fine cut stages, fine cut one and fine cut two. And by the end of fine cut two, when you submit that one, in an ideal world anyway, that will be the final cut that then goes to the online, which we're gonna talk about in part four of this four part series. So what are the things that you should be looking out for in the fine cut process? Well, the first thing and the most important thing really is finessing that narrative. At this point, you should be looking not just holistically the entire edit, which we were in the rough cut stage. Now we're going into very, very fine detail of every single word, every single breath that is on the timeline. Remove those ums and ahs if you need to. Sometimes those ums and ahs bring a nice pace to the whole edit and we want to keep them in. Um, sometimes the, um, the character might be pensive or thinking about something or um, these breaths, these moments might be key to the rhythm and the pacing of the edit we're trying to, to create. So don't go in and take out all the ums and ahs and breaths, um, but only the ones that aren't pushing the story forward or give us a sense of pacing. That's super important. Repetition. If you have any dialogue that is repeating, you might have somebody say something in a master interview and then somebody say something again um, in actuality, in verite. And we spoke about what that word means in the last episode, um, but that's just the, <clears throat> excuse me, that's just the kind of action and the stuff, the footage where the character is just going about their business. Not, not interview, they're just making breakfast or just doing something, whatever, whatever that is. Find those key moments of verite and actuality and put those, if you can, replace master interview dialogue with those bits of verite if they serve the same purpose. You want to prioritize uh, footage where they're moving, they're doing something, it's more dynamic, it's more interesting for the audience to watch compared to a master interview or just sit down talking head style video. That's not quite as interesting. So 
and make sure every single piece of dialogue that is on the timeline serves a purpose. Get rid of any repetition, get rid of any ums and ahs, get rid of any delays, breaths, any long pauses, gaps in the dialogue. If somebody stutters and says, but, 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 but I was thinking, you know, just get rid of the stutter. Those are all the things you're doing at the fine cut stage and really, really finessing the narrative and making sure every single thing on that timeline has a purpose. If it doesn't have a purpose and move the, the story forward, get rid of it. Now that you know the story, find all of those complementary bits of verite. So we spoke about replacing any master interview dialogue with verite. Now you want to go back into the master footage, rewatch all those moments that aren't master interview, and find any moments that correlate and relate back to the edit that you currently have now. This is where you're going to find those um, bits where they might say, oh, I really like, you know, peanut butter um, toast for breakfast. And then we go back into the verite and they might mention this in conversation at some point with someone else. Or we might actually see them make it. Or there are these other moments where perhaps they're even they're shopping and you've got a scene of them shopping and they pick up the peanut butter. Well, now you can use that piece of footage, which before you didn't even think was important. And now it does have importance. So go back through, review all the actuality and see what you have that you can put on your timeline that is going to help with the current narrative and, and the current timeline that you have now. You'll find those little moments that go, oh yeah, that relates to that moment, that relates to that moment, and drop it in on the timeline and start building things around it. You also want to look for emotional moments because we understand now the tonality of the entire edit. We understand how the characters are coming across, even if there's no dialogue, you know, how how's the character coming across? Do we need to find uh, other moments where that person is taking a breath, throw in a pause, some contemplation, um, reactions? So find those reaction shots, and emotional moments in the footage and find out where that will relate to what you have on the timeline as it is. Because when you were watching the footage for the first time, that didn't really have much relevance. But now you know exactly the narrative of your film and you know what you want to communicate and you, more importantly, you know what you want the audience to feel. How are we going to make the audience feel that? Well, by showing it on screen, because as, as, a, as human beings, we are emotional creatures and we will empathize with the character. As long as uh, empathy has been built up, we've built up rapport with the person on screen, we're going to empathize with whatever it is that they're going through. There's some psychological terms for this, but really that's all you need to know. So if you want the audience to feel something at a certain moment, maybe some information's been dropped, maybe they've just been stood up somewhere, maybe somebody's died, you know, if you really want the audience to feel that, you need to show it on screen and, and show some footage that will make the audience feel that. So these, uh, this is the point where you can really go back into the footage and pull out all these moments that are going to add to your current edit and really push it 
turn it up to 11, as they say. Looking at the story, think about the breaks now. You've got the narrative. Where are the really important moments? Where's the important information? Where are those, um, those mic drop moments? And curate breaks in your edit. Don't have it completely wallpapered, end-to-end dialogue and music, because that is just unbearable to watch. You need to curate breaks throughout the entire video, no matter what the video is, music videos especially, um, commercials, yes, documentaries, of course, branded content, most definitely. These all, we all, they need to have breaks built in, and this gives a moment for the audience to think, to feel, and to, to bond. So curate breaks, think about where you can add in breaks and how you can do that. Do you end music, start a new track? Do you change scenes? Do you have some kind of effect or transition? Do you have some motion graphics? Whatever it is, put in chapter breaks. Rhythm and pacing is next on the list. It is really important. Editing and audio, especially, the audio and the visual create a rhythm. It's very much as if you are a conductor and your orchestra is your timeline. If the, if the orchestra were left on their own, they would be able to play. That's fine. You know, anybody can put together an edit. You could ask, uh, you know, any high school student to make an edit and they would. They'd just pull the stuff onto a timeline and they'd make it. Just like um, anybody, you know, an orchestra of musicians could make music. Of course they could, especially because they're professionally trained to do so. But you as the conductor, you control the emphasis of key moments within that piece of music. You control the rhythm, you control the pacing, you control where it's quiet and where it's loud. And that is your duty. And that is how you keep the audience hooked and engaged. There's a musicality to editing and um, the best editors have that musicality and they, they're conscious of it. So this is the time in the fine cut when you finesse the rhythm and you finesse the pacing. These are so important that we actually have an entire module on pacing within Unsplice Pro. And I believe that that musicality, there is a connection and it's something that can be learned. Even if you feel like I'm not musical, you will have that in you because everybody does. Every human has that. We all listen to music. We all enjoy music. We understand the, the principles of music. Um, and so we all have that in us. Now, some might be better musicians than, than others, but what comes with practice is you get better, right? So uh, yeah, that it really is just how important pacing is. Um, and that's why we have an entire module on pacing within Unspice Pro. Um, that's unspicepro.com forward slash, uh, unspice.com forward slash pro, by the way. The next thing you want to think about is your B-roll. Now that you have everything on the, on the timeline, you have all the scenes laid out, think about every single frame of B-roll. 
Make sure you have all the best B-roll in there now. This is the point when you go, okay, maybe I have a better angle of this. Maybe I can have these two shots flow a little bit better. If I choose this angle instead of this one next to that shot, then those two, they flow a bit better. This really is down to frame precision, single frame precision. Every single frame on your timeline at this point in the cut should be measured and exact. Again, this is so important. There is an entire module called Flow, the Flow module within Unspice Pro. And having each shot flow in a satisfying manner, whether you want that to, when you want to hide the editing or you want it to be noticeable, your flow is what dictates that. And um, if you want it to just be seamless and the audience to not notice the editing, then you have to have a seamless flow. And if you want the audience to be kind of jolted or notice the editing, then you want to have some harsh flow or break the flow. So really that is why flow is so important. And that's why there's an entire module on flow within Unsplice Pro. So get every single frame to precision flow and pacing. Once you have all that, then effects. We're talking about effects and transitions here. Now that you have put together a strong story and you've thought about the narrative first, that's what you've prioritized. You prioritize the narrative rather than what effects would be cool for this edit. Now that you have this, what effects will help the edit and push the edit forward? either connecting stronger with the audience, create this um, tone, this imagery, this vibe, uh, this identity of your film. You might want to throw on some Super 8 film burn or some, you know, some flashy stuff, some whip pans, all this other stuff. If it's going to push the story forward, push the narrative, help the edit in a way. And we spoke with this a little bit earlier about creating these breaks, these moments, or creating chapters within your edit. If you plaster effects and transitions across the whole thing, then again, you're just going to have this monotone feel across the whole edit. It's either going to be too exhausting for the audience to watch because there's too much going on, or it's going to be too monotonous, too boring, because it's just the same across everything. So you shouldn't go into the edit thinking, what edit, what effects and transitions would be cool for this? You go in thinking, what's the best story I can tell? How can I best communicate with the audience? And then what effects will help me do that? So switch them around if you're thinking effects are the most important thing. Quite often I'll get um, people reaching out and they want to know about um, what effects and transitions should I look into, what packs should I buy, what um, stock footage websites should I subscribe to. None. Doesn't matter. None of that is important. You're thinking 20 steps ahead right now um, and you haven't even grasped the basics. So think about the story, think about how you can tell the best story uh, and communicate with the audience and get the audience to feel what it is that you are trying to create. Then, once that's dialed in, then you start thinking about effects and transitions. And finally, the sound effects. Really important part of the entire process. You may even decide no sound effects whatsoever. 
But this is kind of like the cherry on the cake, so to speak. This is the, the final little touch. It's a decoration uh, that can really help communicate certain information in your edit. You might want to use sound effects to create transitions, to build chapters, create chapter markers, to um, emphasize key bits of information, to uh, add some kind of dynamism to the edit. Perhaps it's just an interview and nothing else. So you might want to add some sound effects and some motion graphics in order to keep the pace, keep the interest high um, and think about it like that. So that is kind of how you would use sound effects and you would think about them towards the end of the edit because for the very same reason as the effects and transitions, you're thinking about the story first and how can you communicate with the audience, hook the audience and keep them engaged with the narrative, the story first. And yes, you can tell a story even without footage. There's an entire module in Unspice Pro on how to tell a story without dialogue. So for all you music video editors out there who are thinking this doesn't apply to me because I don't work with dialogue, it does. And commercials equally, um, I've spent many years working on commercials, some commercials that don't have any dialogue whatsoever. And uh, you can indeed tell a story with footage, even if you are working from stock footage. Hopefully this has helped you understand the fine cut and the difference between the rough cut and a fine cut. By the end of this now, we've gone through all these different steps. Right now, at this point in the edit, technically, we will be at what's called picture lock. That means second fine cut approved by the client. Great, we're at picture lock now. That means no more picture changes at all. The duration cannot change. The points in which the cuts are on the timeline cannot change. That's it now. We're done. Technically, your job as an editor will be on pause. However, in the online stage, you might be required to do some of those or during the online stage, it might be outsourced. And that is what we're going to be talking about next week. Thank you so much for listening. Always a pleasure to speak with you. And um, this has been a really enjoyable series. I hope you found it super useful. Uh, like I said, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to comment below what you learned and also what you'd love to hear on the podcast. And that address for Unspiced Pro, by the way, is unspiced.com forward slash pro. Would love to see you in the community. Thank you so much and speak next week. Bye-bye.